Awesome. Whew. Okay, sorry everyone. I kind of got lost in that. Uh, it was so good <laughs> that I was just imagining another song playing. So, good morning everyone. Good morning, Reach Montreal. And it is a pleasure and a joy to be with you here this morning. We have a lot to unpack, and so we're going to divide it in a few segments. I have a few main points to take away from, from the sermon and from this message, so I hope that I'm able to walk you through that, even within all the scripture that we're going to read this morning. So I thought that I would just start at a quick recap of what we've already been looking at uh, just last week, and as we've been going through our series in Mark. Today we're going to be reading from Mark 6, uh, chapter 6, verses 30 onward, but let me say a little bit about what was going on before in chapter 6. So, <laughs> there's this, scripture tells us in chapter 6, like Jesus is preaching and teaching in his hometown, and he's amazed, he's amazed, not for a good reason this time, he's amazed from their unbelief. Right? Not, not, a, not a good way to be amazed, uh, you know, for Jesus to be amazed. And so he also sent out uh, the 12, right, uh, to be a part of his ministry. He sent them out to, to preach, to teach. Uh, they were say, uh, saying this message of repentance, right? That's a common thing uh, that's, that's uh, kind of taught in scripture, that they're sent out and asking the people to repent, repent of their sins. I want people to think of repentance as saying, I'm going in this direction and you need to turn around and come towards Jesus and face him. So they're going out and telling people to repent from what they're doing before and so that they can turn to Jesus and come towards him, right? So they're going out, they're also healing people, they're anointing people with oil. And then the story kind of twists because we start hearing about John, right? We start hearing about the story of John and, 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 and how, you know, he was beheaded because he spoke out against, against King Herod for marrying his brother's wife. So that's, so that's where we are right now. And then after that, we, you know, maybe the journey was interrupted because of this. Um, but Jesus, you know, they, they come back, the 12, and they're so tired, right? They're so tired from everything that they were doing. Sometimes, uh, you know, ministry, right, could be tiring. So it's good to take a rest, a proper rest, when Jesus invites us uh, away to take a rest with him. So we're going to read now from Mark uh, chapter 6, verse 30. The, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. For many people were coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat, right? So once again, that's, that's encouraging for us today, this morning, to just hear Jesus inviting his disciples to come away and to rest. But notice how they didn't even have time to eat. So that's, that's some pretty intense, um, <laughs> you know, crowds and ministry that's going on. So in verse 32, I continue. So they went away in a boat by themselves to a remote place. But many saw them leaving and recognized them, and they ran on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Then he began to teach them many things. When it grew late, his disciples approached him and said, This place is deserted, and it is already late. 
send them away so that, you can, so that they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. You know, completely understandable. It's getting late. Like, as I was going through some of the commentaries, it's saying that maybe it was about two hours until nightfall, right? So there's already this massive crowd of people there. Uh, the disciples didn't even get to go on their retreat. It was basically interrupted. Jesus was inviting them away to come into rest. And then there's these crowd of people who recognize them, right? And they start going towards them. So imagine yourself at this point. You went out, uh, you know, for a certain amount of time, uh, doing what Jesus told you, and you're coming back, and you're exhausted, and Jesus is inviting you to rest. You haven't even had time to eat, yet all this stuff transpires. So maybe they're telling Jesus, you know, send them away so that we can eat, and they can all eat. Maybe they're kind of thinking of themselves there. I can't blame them at all. Um, and so, and so I'll just continue to read. So Jesus actually says, you give them something to eat. And, and there is this emphasis. Jesus is actually commanding them. What a weird thing, right? Jesus, so they're hungry, right? Um, there's this crowd of people there, and yeah, they, they haven't had time to eat yet. And Jesus instead places an emphasis and tells them that they find something um, <laughs> for them to eat. And then they, so they respond. Like, like, so imagine yourself, you're probably like angry, like hangry here, right? Like you're, you're hungry and you're angry here. And so they respond to Jesus and they say, should we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread? and give them to something to eat. So it's such a big demand that, that they are so confused, they don't think it's possible. They're thinking logistically here, right? How can we feed this crowd? One, we don't even have the money, okay? 200 denarii, uh, you know, some commentaries say that it's anywhere from half a year's work to one year's work, right? Depending, I guess, on what kind of job that you held. But that's one year of wages. And in another gospel, it even says, there's a, there's a comment about, um, <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's Philip, who basically says that even if we had that, 200 denarius, uh, denarius of food, denarii, uh, would, would only give people like a bite. It wouldn't even be enough to satisfy them. It would just be the snack. Anyways, in verse 38, we continue. He asked them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. Now, once again, there's a little bit more information or details in, in John's gospel where it says um, that a young man provided the food. But anyways, we'll just keep reading from, from Mark. When, the, when they found out, they said, we have five and two fish. Then he instructed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. He took the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke the loaves. So this is like one of my favorite parts here of, 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 the, <laughs> of this passage, only because, all right, shameless plug, I have been watching The Chosen a lot. So if you have been watching The Chosen, you're going to appreciate this, all right? I like, like I was so excited when I was reading through the commentaries about what the blessing would have most likely have been that Jesus had said. So I, I'm, I'm taking this here, all right? A common blessing, uh, blessed are thou, or, O Lord, our God, king of the world, who brings forth bread from the earth, right? Um, so if ever I'm in another situation where I'm going to be giving, um, ask to say grace, I'm definitely going to be praying like this. So, and so he kept giving them, so he, he said the blessing, and then he kept giving it to his disciples, and he set before the people, to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. Everyone ate and was satisfied. 
they picked up 12 baskets full of pieces of bread and fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were 5,000 men. Wow. Wow. I'm just going to take a sip of water. Wow. Talk about your little rest retreat being interrupted with 5,000 men. And so the, 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 the word is specifically men here, right? But we can imagine that when you consider, you know, their wives and even their children, that most likely people, the amount of people present there were about like 8,000 people, right? <laughs> that is quite a big crowd. So I want, I, I want to kind of keep going deeper on this, okay, for a little bit. Because a lot of the times, even when we read like a passage of scripture or something that we're familiar with, we read it and we, we tend to kind of just gloss over it. We, our mind starts saying, yeah, you know, I've heard this story. Real impressive. Jesus fed the 5,000 uh, and, you know, somehow multiplied the, the five loaves and the two fish. And then your brain almost already moves on to the next thought. But you don't realize how massive and how miraculous that is. Like, think about that for a second. Like, they don't even have enough food to feed the disciples, Right? Like, it's, it's one, like, young boy's, like, I don't know, his bagged lunch, which maybe isn't even enough to fill his stomach. Well, okay, five loaves, maybe enough for him. All right. But, like, like, but think about that, though. Jesus takes the five loaves and two fish. He has everyone spread out. He has compassion on them. And everyone is, eats. And it's not just like, I took a bite and I'm good. There's 12 baskets full left over of food. That's amazing. Like, that is, is just so miraculous, right? And, and you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm a logistics guy a little bit. I uh, do numbers. Uh, I guess I work with numbers for a living. And uh, even right now in, in, in my personal life, like, you know, like I look at, you know, what about the housing market, this and that? How much money does it take to have a house? What does the down payment need to be? How much is it increasing? So, so for me, I, like, I almost see myself in this story, like when Jesus commanding the disciples to go and do that, I would come to him and say, Jesus, um, there's about like 8,000 people here, plus us and, you know, uh, and... And maybe I'm going to eat a little bit more, so we need to account for like three people for me, okay? And we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. Jesus, this is impossible. This is impossible, right? Based on the restrictions and limitations that I have, I'm doing math, and the math does not add up, right? But that's the thing. It's, it's, it's that it almost kind of parallels to us like Jesus calls us to take part and be involved in ministry with him Jesus calls us to come and serve with him but what do we have we we have like the five loaves and two fish for 8,000 people there's no way that we can do what we're meant to do like like but the crazy thing is is that God invites us to this and he takes our weakness he takes our weakness and he makes greatness out of it. And it's not because we're great. It's because he's great. God is able to take any weakness that we have in our lives. And if we're willing to lay it down to him, look at all of the great things that he can do. 
Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing that God calls us to work with him, even though he doesn't need us, but he does love us, and that's beautiful that we get to be involved with that. I guess that has me kind of thinking to, to almost like the, the next point uh, that, that I want to talk about, and it's that, you know, I can, I can, I can stand here and I can say to everyone, uh, you know, God is love. God is love, right? But do we actually really believe that, right? Is that something that we kind of just say with our mouths or we just think in our mind, but then the thought once again just passes over? We're already moving on to the next thing. I ask you, how do you describe God? God is love. Great. Let me pull out my phone and now go search TSN. That's what I would do, TSN. All right, sorry, people. <laughs> um, so, but, but once again, our, we, we say these things, but do we actually believe it? And have we actually dug deep enough even in our hearts and our mind to, 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 to accept this, right? So there's something really, really, really unique, okay? And, and, and I want to read here, all right? Uh, I want to I point this out, and I'm going to scroll up a little bit uh, to, to Jesus' response, okay, of how he sees them. So their whole, like, let's rest, let's spend time by ourselves, it just completely got, like, hijacked by the crowd who sees Jesus, and they want to be with him. And, and so his plans have been completely disrupted. But when he went ashore, he saw the large crowd, a large crowd, and this is from verse 34, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Then he began to teach them many things. He had compassion on them. You know, that, that's a word maybe that once again, we also tend to throw around. Maybe we don't understand the deepness of what this means. You know, does God love us? Does God love me? I was so struck this week at how compassion was really emphasized in the commentary. That there's something in how it was written. That, that, that the word, okay, that in the text, it refers to intestinal organs. Like the stomach, and that was thought to be the seat of emotions. And the Greek word is, I, I always butcher my Greek and no one corrects me. I have no idea how to speak Greek. Vicera, right? I, I tried. I have no idea if that's how you say it. But it, it's, it's the stomach, right? And there's even, there's this like, it, it goes on to describe more. That there is this tender mercy bursting with emotions. That's compassion, this tender mercy bursting with emotions and he's feeling it deep from within. It's not just like Jesus is seeing them and he's passing by and he's like, oh yeah, I guess they're hungry. Let me give them something to eat. He is so swelled with emotion that he feels it in the deepest part of him. Do you understand how much God loves you? Like, I, I wanna, I'm gonna blow your mind for a second. This word of deep compassion is used nine times, nine other times in the New Testament. And guess who the only person it is used by? All right, we can say the Sunday school answer here, but it's giving me chills. It's Jesus. That compassion to which he describes that deep 
feeling of emotions that he sees the people there that is only described of Jesus and only Jesus uses that. That word is, is for him in the New Testament. Isn't that amazing? And if you think, what is the circumstance for this deep compassion, right? I read from Mark 1, chapter, verse 40, from 40 to 41. There, then a man with leprosy came to him and on his knees begged him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, that deep emotion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing be made clean. Wow. Wow. Talk about a God who doesn't just, from a distance, just looking on to us and, 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 and doesn't want anything to do with us. No, like this is a God who loves us deeply. And so I know maybe for people here, maybe, you know, maybe they, they, don't, they don't necessarily believe in Jesus. And maybe when you talk to people about God, they tend to say, you know, I see how the universe is made and I believe in God. I believe in a God. But I don't think he's personal. I view God as this, he, this, this kind of like, 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 like he basically just set time. Like he's this, um, almost this like watchmaker. He created time and he set it and he take a step back and he just watches on. But Christianity is uniquely different in that it does not describe God like that. The God that we serve cares deeply for us and loves us. So I want to challenge you, if, if you've never thought of God like that, I want you to just know how deeply that Jesus feels for them, right? And how deeply that Jesus feels for us. And I read from Isaiah 40, 11, right? Like he saw them as sheep without a shepherd and he cared for them. He protects his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them in the fold of his garment. He gently leads those that are nursing. Wow. That's, that's the sort of deep-rooted emotion, right, that Jesus feels for us. And I want to just move on to, to, the, to the miracle, right? So that, that's how Jesus loves us, right? I want you to think of that this week, how deeply Jesus loves, loves us, that, that there's no distraction for him. And, and, and the compassion that the New Testament speaks about, you saw where there's this, this man with leprosy. It's not, Jesus doesn't have that compassion only when it's just like a physical need. It's not just because the people were hungry. He has that same compassion when he sees people in their lives where sin is destroying it. So I want you to realize that Jesus has that compassion for you wherever you are suffering. Whether it's your fault or, or not, whether it's a physical ailment or it's just the weightiness of sin, which maybe you made some bad choices in your life. But I just want to say that no matter where you are, you can bring that to Jesus and he's going to love you. And he already has this deep-rooted emotion all the way to the core of his being for you. And he's going to love you regardless. And I also want to move on now to the next point, that Jesus is a generous provider. I don't know if you see in verse 42, everyone ate and was satisfied. And they picked up 12 baskets full of bread and fish. This is amazing. Jesus is not stingy. Like, I need you to understand that. Like, he is good. He is not stingy. He didn't just, 
you know, make sure that there is enough food that everyone gets a bite. Like when God blesses, he blesses in abundance. And, 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 and he is a generous provider, right? And that's, and that's amazing as well, just to think about how when God cares for us, he feels that deep emotion for us. He cares for us deeply, but it's, 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 it's not that he's giving us the bare minimum, it's that he is a generous provider and that he feeds this whole crowd with 12 baskets of leftovers, which is amazing. And so we're going to continue reading. Um, this can easily be divided into two sermons. Uh, it's quite a bit of scripture. So we're just going to continue now uh, from verse 45 onward. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of, go, go ahead of him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. After he said goodbye to them, he went away to the mountain to pray. Well into the night, the, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on land. He saw them straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Very early in the morning, he came towards them, walking on the sea, and wanted to pass by them. When, he saw, when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke with them and said, have courage, it is I, don't be afraid. So, <laughs> kind of as like a little side note, um, I don't know if anyone has seen uh, China McLean's video uh, in the past week. She's been doing some videos about, uh, about God, and yeah, some of them are pretty interesting. And she recently posted a video where... Uh, basically she takes issue with Jesus' divinity and she says she doesn't think that the Bible teaches that Jesus is God. So, China, we're going to help you out a little bit here, all right? Um, like, <laughs> I want you to understand like what just happened here, right? And first, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point this to have courage, I am right? Like, like the, 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 the literal translation from, for, you know, it is I, you know, in the text, it literally is supposed to be translated as I am. And we, we know who that I am is, right? Um, like in, in Exodus, Moses asked God, like, who, who are you? I am who I am. And, and who should I say sent me? It is I am who sent you. So, so there's that, there's that. I just want to say as a side note to say that Jesus is God. And you literally see him having control over all of creation. He's walking on the water here, right? He's walking on the waves. I don't think a regular person does that. But not only that, Jesus claims, he tells them, you know, have courage, I am. Don't be afraid. And then he got into the boat with them and the wind seized. They were completely astounded because they had not understood about the loaves. Instead, their hearts were hardened. Yikes, yikes. So Matthew's gospel actually tells us a little bit more. This is, this is the part, this kind of parallels to what happened in Mark 3, where the disciples are in the boat with Jesus, Jesus sleeping, and they're like, Jesus, come on, don't you care about us? And he wakes up and he rebukes the storm and everything's quiet. This time the disciples are there in the water. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus is not with them. 
he sees them struggling and he comes to them and he gets into the boat and it stops. And, and it's that, also that epic part where in Matthew, it's a story of Peter you know, calling out to Jesus and, G, and Peter attempting to walk on water, right? Now, it's, it's not in, 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 this, in, in, the, in the gospel of Mark here, but it's, it's, it's the same story. So on a, on a side note as well, like, isn't it, it's so interesting that, that even with all that the disciples saw, with the, the loaves being multiplied, their hearts were hardened and they didn't understand it, right? Like imagine being so present and, and God even using you um, through, through miraculous things and at the end of the day, your hearts are hardened, right? So I'm just saying that we should also be aware, right, to, 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 to see what God is doing and to believe him and to believe him in, in, in how he does care for us. But I do want to talk about something significant in, in, in the passage. I'm almost done. There's, there's like another passage that we're going to go through. But I want to talk about something really, really significant as well here, okay? About the story in Mark uh, chapter 6, verses 45 to 52, okay? Something weird is going on. In, in John's gospel, the, the crowd starts getting rowdy. Like Jesus just fed them. He fed them, uh, and they were so filled <laughs> they, they were feeling pretty good. They wanted to make him king, <laughs> right? So now it was becoming too kind of political and national. They wanted to make him king. So Jesus forced the disciples to get into the boat. So interesting, like there was an emphasis in the commentary about forcing. He forced them into the boat. He forced them into the boat to go into the storm, which is, which is really, really interesting to think about, right? And, and, and so from there... And he, and he tells them, you know, he's going he's gonna, he's gonna, to go ahead, you know, to the other side. And then he goes up to the mountaintop to pray. He goes to the mountaintop to pray. And he's praying, you know, doing his thing. And he sees the disciples, all right? So is it, is it almost even how Jesus saw Nathaniel under the tree when it was most likely that no one was around? Like, how is Jesus able to see them? He sees them in their struggles. He sees the disciples in, 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 in the storm as well. And Jesus comes down from the mountain to the land, on the water, on the waves, to be with his disciples. Do you also understand and see how significant that is? Yes, there's, there's, there's troubles and trials that we will go through. But if you're currently going through a trial in your life and you feel like God is absent from it, that God is not present, and maybe you think in all of your tears that he doesn't hear you and he doesn't see you, that when you picture God, you see this expressionless face, maybe, maybe with, with missing features, maybe like no eyes or something like that. But just that he's distant, that he's distant. But instead here, we see that Jesus sees us in all of our affliction and all of our struggles. That he sees us from anywhere. So I, I, want, I want you to just take heart in that even and, and, and take encouragement in that. That no matter what you're facing and what you're going through today, Jesus 
sees you. Jesus sees you. And I, and I want you to also, to, to kind of grasp the significance of it, what, a, what an amazing picture that's being painted. Jesus is on the mountain praying. And he descends from on high from the mountaintop and he goes to his disciples who he loves, his children. He walks out to the exact point of their suffering and he gets into the boat with them. Do you know when the storm's quiet? The storm's quiet when Jesus steps into the boat. It's like no matter what's going on in our lives, having that presence with Jesus, Jesus being there, knowing that he loves us, it makes everything better. When he gets into the boat, everything is all right. But I just want you to take encouragement from that, right? That, that in your struggles, God sees you. And he's willing to walk onto the water in the waves and get into the boat with you. Isn't that amazing? So don't let just suffering in your life drown out the voice of God. Don't let it distort who he is. Like in your suffering, like look to Jesus. Look to Jesus because he's, he's standing by with these, these eyes and, and, and just this, he's bursting with emotion and feeling for you. He loves you so much. And we know that he's demonstrated his love for us in this way. You know, so I read from Philippians 2 about having the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Wow. Is there anything that Jesus really wouldn't do for you? Like seriously. Is there anything that's going on in your life that he won't just want to run out to you and just say, like, son, daughter, turn to me. I love you so much. Doesn't matter whatever you're going through, give it to me. Give it to me. Because even Jesus can take our weakness and our suffering, right? And make something good of it. He promises that to us. He promises that all things work together for those who are called to him, right? That, that for, for those who belong in Christ Jesus, he says all things work together. And that's, and that's actually good news. Do you realize that? That's actually good news. So even that, that I wanna say, I wanna invite people who, who haven't already given their life to Jesus, like, aren't you tired? Like, are, like, aren't you tired that you would be in this story, that you would be struggling at the waves in this boat with no one to save you. Like no one's looking at you to care for you and how, and how you currently like live your life and, and to what you, you worship in your life like, and into what you find most value in your life. Those things are not gonna save you. So, like, so I encourage you to turn your hearts to the God who made you, who knows you intimately and loves you 
so much more because he's willing to come from the mountaintop and go over the waves and to get into the boat with you. And that's good news, church, that we could repent and, and, and not to see repentance as just this like cold term, but that it also is, is bubbling with emotion and feeling that there's this repentance and it's relationship. It's turning around from wherever we are and it's turning to Jesus and going to him because he loves us so much. And so I'll continue on just because uh, we're supposed to get through this entire passage. After this, when they had crossed over, I'm reading from verse 53, they came to a shore and, and anchored there and they got out of the boat and people immediately recognized him. They hurried throughout the region and began to carry the sick on mats to where they heard he was. Wherever he went, into villages, towns, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the end of his robe and everyone who touched it was healed. Wow. So just even in this whole passage of scripture that we've looked at, we continue to see just so much about what the heart of God is like. Like, think of all the disruptions that went on. Think at how it started, that the 12 were going out. They were uh, taking part in Jesus' ministry. They were so tired that Jesus called them away to rest. But, but the crowd continues to follow them. And there's all these disruptions that they don't even get a chance to eat. And then after, after a miraculous happening where all the people there, the crowd eats, Jesus pushes the disciples into the boat and they get across and they're, and they're going through a storm. And Jesus comes to them, right? And he gets into the boat with them and he saves them. And as soon as he lands again, guess what he's doing? Guess what he's doing? He's being selfless again. And he's <laughs> having the sick are bringing people to him right? The sick are going to him and he's performing miracles again and healing people. So I just want to say on that note to just remind you church of how much Jesus does deeply care for you. That when you think to yourself and describing who God is and you, you know, you're, you, you know, you're going through the Bible and you're telling yourself God is love, God is love. I want you to just grasp and understand how deep his love is for you, right? That the word of compassion even used in the, in, in the New Testament is uniquely of Jesus' deep emotional expression and when he's looking to us in our suffering and that he wants to meet our needs. So I just want you to think of Jesus and, and just to praise him and be in awe of him of how wonderful God we serve. And if you've never trusted this Jesus, I invite you to give your whole life to him. There is nobody else in this world, in this universe, who will care for you like he does. And I promise you that he will never let you down. So um, on that note, I'm just going to end in prayer. Um, and I'll invite uh, the worship team uh, to come up here as well, I believe, right? Father, uh, we just thank you today. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it's your words that matter. And we just pray that we would get a grasp of who you are, that we would learn about you more, and that we would understand that no matter where we are, that, and no matter where we are in life, no matter what we're suffering through, that you care deeply for us. And we know that, that you will stop at nothing 
to demonstrate your love for us. You didn't stop when you were going to the cross. You went straight to the cross, Jesus. And we thank you for that. And I just pray that, that we would be willing to even give you our weakness, that we would be willing to give you everything we have, even if we're afraid and even if we're scared and even if we're nervous and even if we're trying to think, well, what does the next like five, three, two years look like? What does my life look like next week if I give everything that I have to Jesus? I just pray that we would be willing to go to him because he's gonna comfort us in his arms and he's gonna care for us and he's gonna love us. So I just pray that everyone, whether they know him today or not, that we would continue to go to Jesus. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.